Self-defense and venison are the two of the most perfect things in life. I'm 72 years clean and sober. No drugs, no alcohol, no tobacco, and no fat girlfriends. He pulled the mask down and lit up a cigarette. I can't help that person. That, that person, he, somebody replaced his brain with a sun-baked turd. The only law we need to pass is to stop the engineered recidivism. It's almost like I'm Mother Teresa with a couple of Glocks. I'm confrontational, and some people are a little upset that I ruffle feathers. I don't ruffle feathers. I pluck them. Freedom, truth, logic, common sense, conservation, hunting, fishing, and trapping. My name is Ted Nugent, and I'm proud to stand shoulder to shoulder with my blood brother, Sam, on the Wild Initiative Podcast. Go nuts! Put down your latte and pull on your boots. Our culture needs people that are leaders and not people that are waiting for somebody else to show them how to do it. Those fields of tofu, that was formerly habitat for wildlife. You're killing off wildlife by being a vegetarian just as much as a hunter when he kills a deer. I'm like, well, you see that bush right there? <laughs> There's your bathroom. <laughs> My dad wears a Levi jacket. He sits in front of a sagebrush and he tells me the best camo is hold still. Not to Donnie Vincent this, but be relentless in everything you do. Don't crap out, go back to the truck with excuses or whatever. Okay, assume I get a deer. How do I cut it up to fit into a Honda Civic? Just get outside. Just get outside and go. Because once you do, it's all gravy from there. Hey, this is Zach Griffith. This is Hannah Barron. This is Jason Phelps of Phelps Game Calls. Hey, guys, this is Cody Rich from the Rich Outdoors podcast. What's up, guys? This is Chad Mendez. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Y'all, I am so stinking excited. There are just some people that are legends in the outdoors in America. Let's talk about that. Talk about some legendary people. And I have the privilege of talking to one today, Mr. The one and only Ted Nugent on the call. Thank you so much for joining me, taking the time out of your day. I know you're a busy guy. 
Why not, Sam? You just nailed it. I'm so proud. I think my life from about 1952, when I was three years old, has been a wildlife initiative. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, you talk about America, you talk about the great outdoors. I'm stimulated. I remain stimulated 72.4 years later. So thanks for having me on. And thanks for pursuing the celebration and the promotion of hunting, fishing, trapping, ranching, farming, resource stewardship, uh, the the perfection of the backstrap boogie, especially in my <laughs> country where Montana is a wonderful place, but it's not perfect. You know, is there is there anywhere that's perfect, though? I know we all try and we all try and carve out our own little slice and make it as perfect as possible. Well, but yes, is, there is there anywhere? Perfection. And uh, I hope you can sense uh, and, and absorb the effervescence of what Uncle Ted has intellectually prioritized for all my lifetime, because Spirit Wild Ranch, our private ranch here in Texas, and Texas is as close to perfect as I can think of. I think South Dakota <laughs> might be better. Um, I think Florida might be better as far as governors go. But my point is, is that we are in charge of our life, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And the game, the reason I'm referencing the lack of perfection is because there's so many really bizarre uh, absurd, uh, arbitrary, punitive, even capricious game laws out there that if we're going to celebrate the wild initiative and celebrate the perfection, there is perfection. Hunting, fishing, and trapping is the perfect use and reverence for God's miraculous renewable resources. However, Montana and Texas and God knows Michigan and New Jersey and, and New York, oh my God, and Illinois, the, their game laws are so offensive. There are some regulations that are so offensive that they they impede recruitment and retention, thereby reducing family hours of recreation, the revenues generated not just for mom and pop businesses, but for conservation imperatives. Uh, so I, I'm always celebrating the good. I had the best hunting season of my life. I killed my 39th raccoon this morning on my trap line. I got a squirrel right through the eyeball with my suppressed 1022 Ruger. My dogs are all muddy and bloody and happy. So I'm having the time of my life because I, I prioritize based on science, not based on political correctness or the culture war where, where the indecency, the, the evil of an animal rights scam actually impacts wildlife management regulations. So I'm celebrating the good. I have unlimited good, literally unlimited good. I mean, I shot my Matthews this morning. I'm telling you, if something crosses my path and I want their backstraps, sharpen your knife because I've really got my <laughs> mystical flight of the arrow mantra down pretty good after all these years. So there is perfection, but I always celebrate the good, maximize the good. That's what Spirit of the Wild TV, Spirit Campfire, all my writing my entire life promoting and celebrating hands-on conservation. That's the good. It really is good. Unbelievable. But there's so much bad and ugly I mean, 2021, are you kidding me? I mean, it's almost like a tsunami, a bombardment, a wallpaper <laughs> carpet bomb of st- 
stupid and 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 uh, corruption and dishonest government and media. We could go on, but we celebrate the good, which I imagine is what the Wildlife Initiative is all about. While we never back away from the bad and the ugly so that we can reduce the bad and the ugly to improve and upgrade and increase the good. Just a guitar player's perspective, Sam. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, I know a little something about arbitrary, capricious game laws and regulations. Uh, I am a fairly recent refugee escaped from uh, the People's Republic of California. Um, That's what you need to know. Oh, man. There's, I'll, I'll tell you what. There's one reason and one sole reason that I still somewhat wish I was a resident of California, and that is so I could vote in the recall election of Gavin Newsom. Glory. Hallelujah. But oh, that's a good point. But I think we should stay on the California topic for just a moment because. There really are no blue states. I mean, everybody, I hope everybody take a deep breath. I know I'm just a goofy guitar player. (laughs) I know I sound like I know what I'm talking about because I really do. I've been engaged in the culture war since the 1960s before they knew it was a culture war. I knew it was a culture war because the hippie drooling maggots of the rock and roll uh, media and all the other media would attack me. Because I carry a gun and I eat dead deer. I mean, <laughs> by the way, self-defense and venison are the two of the most perfect things in life. So my point is, is that there are no blue states, not even California. There are just high crime, feces and needles, homelessness, blue Democrat smudges. Real California is as heart and soul shit kicker as any place in America. Same with New Jersey, New York, Illinois, Massachusetts, Maryland, Connecticut. Uh, those places that appear to be blue because they're they're strangled and oppressed by Democrat Marxism. The majority of those, oh, my birth state of Michigan, how embarrassing. <laughs> how embarrassing. But the real heart and soul of those states is like you and me. Truth, logic, common sense, constitution, bill of rights, rugged individualism, entrepreneur, work ethic, law and order. So I'm not the weird one. Kevin <laughs> Newsom is the weird one. He doesn't represent the heart and soul of California because I know those California hunters and fishermen. They're the real McCoy, but but the tail, the toxic tail of L.A. and San Francisco wags the California dog, and it's just not fair. And that's what's going on in this country. That's why I'm such a radical because I dare to spotlight cockroaches and then stomp them. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, one thing I've learned is those those core people in in states like New York and California, where it's we're constantly under attack. You want to talk about some people that know how to fight for the life they want, know how to fight for their hunting and fishing rights, their uh, Second Amendment rights, their their freedoms that they cherish so deeply. Uh, like I'll admit, I'll, I'll get some hate for this, but people in a lot of the states that do lean more red, they they are starting to get complacent sometimes. Yeah, hey, you have ahead. to remind them, Sam. That is the most uh, raw nerve in the American dream right now. Is the apathy? Like I, I moved to Texas almost twenty years ago for medical reasons. We lost our home in Michigan, a dream home. I was born in Detroit. And Sam, 
Michigan was the number one hunting state in the nation. It, the tradition, the heritage, the celebration of hands-on conservation, the work ethic, the productivity of Detroit when I was growing up, it literally was God's vision personified. I mean, the spirit, the neighborliness, the goodwill, the, 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 the caring, the, the, the drive to be the best that you can be. That's where I come from. My brothers, my sister, my band, my crew, everybody in my life, my sons, my daughters, my grandkids, my incredible wife, Shemaine, even my dogs. So my point is, is that I come from the epicenter of the Industrial Revolution <laughs> in Detroit, Michigan, that literally flopped when the Democrats succeeded in scamming the people that you didn't have to be the best that you can be. You can call in sick days even when you're not sick. You can blood suck instead of charge forth to be productive in the asset column. My point being is that you, you struck the most important nerve in America today. Every one of our problems is not a result of the insane Marxism that the Democrats have turned into, the vicious racism and hatred and the dishonesty of the media and so much of our our government and academia and Hollywood. I mean, it's just a a, a force of of demonacy that literally celebrates racism and condemns a cop for saving a young girl's life from getting stabbed to death and then claiming that children stabbing each other is like a meaningful, you know, activity in the neighborhood. What? So my point is, is that all those ugly, ugly forces that we see destroying God, family, country, freedom, law and order, it's not their fault. It's our fault. It's the Republicans' fault. It's people in Montana, the Montana bow hunters. Are there some great families in the Montana bow hunters? I'm sure there are. But they actually united with the Barack Obama Animal Rights Organization called uh, the uh, Hunters and Anglers, the, oh, the, the, the Backwoods Hunters and Anglers, and they stopped the legalization of allowing handicapped heroes of the military to hunt with a crossbow in Montana. Montana, Sam, that's not Montana. That's like Newark. (laughs) Veterans can even hunt with a crossbow in New Jersey, but not Montana. Shame on you, Montana bow hunters. <laughs> Shame on you for falling for the scam of the backwoods hunters and anglers that were created by animal rights Barack Obama haters. And you fell for it in Montana. Oh, that's, that's as embarrassing as anything I've seen happen in Michigan. So the curse of apathy is at the core of Every problem we have in this country, conservatives who believe and live God, family, country, law and order, they don't even vote. They don't even vote, which means when you don't vote your core traditional beliefs, Nancy Pelosi considers you an ally. Shame on you. Well, I'll tell you, that's one of the that's one of the biggest things going on. I I mean, not just in Montana, but across across the U.S. is a lot of. A lot of these organizations that and don't get me wrong, there are, uh, you know, and I may get some hate for this, too. There are some people on the left, some misguided people that are are very vehement 
hunters and anglers and they want to support that. I disagree with everything else about their lifestyle and their choices, but uh, they are vehement hunters and anglers, but they, uh, so many people have fallen into this trap of these organizations that parade as, as pro pro gun, pro hunting, pro this, that when in reality, they, uh, they're pushing a completely separate agenda. They may like to hunt and fish, but that is not, their priority. And that's my thing. And I've told people like, I'm a huge advocate for public lands. I think it's one of the greatest things this country has over just about anywhere else in the world is our access to these public lands. It's incredible, but you know, what's more important to me is hunting and fishing. I would, and you know, again, somebody's going to email me and tell me how much they hate me for saying this, but I would watch every single piece of public lands we have be privatized before I ever gave up a single effing round of ammo. Um, like, are you kidding me? I would, I, and again, I am passionate about pie. I hunt almost solely public lands, uh, except when I go visit my fr- fine friends down in Texas and uh, get get the chance to go uh, hang out on the FTW ranch with some of my buddies down there or wherever it may happen to be. But, uh, you know, what's important to me is hunting and our, and firearms and protecting these rights we have. And that definitely takes priority to me over absolutely anything else. I just ranted about this for two hours on a friend on my friend Gabriella's podcast. Uh, she had me on as a guest and I went off about it. It was crazy. Well, truth, logic and common sense is alive and well out there. I, if I've accomplished anything in life other than, by the way, you're talking about getting some hate mail, just having me on <laughs> hate mail because dirt bags hate me, which proves that I'm really a wonderful human being. Because if you listen to the actual content of pe- people leveling hate against me, it's all lies. All they do is lie because they're they're incapable of debating me. Because I have a lifetime of truth, logic, common sense, boots on the ground, hands-on experience. And every time someone's tried to debate me, they end up uh, decapitated with my truth, logic, and common sense evidence crowbar. So you're going to get hate mail anyhow. But that's good because when dirtbags hate you, it proves you're not a dirtbag. But your point is well taken. You know, uh, in Michigan, I think the lifeblood of conservation in America. And what is conservation? The wise use of clearly scientifically proven renewable utility of wildlife resources. You have to kill game. You have to reduce the population in the winter because the food supply is gone, dead of winter, and make room for next year's fawns and calves and cubs. I mean, even guitar players can figure this stuff out. I never went to college. I was too busy learning stuff. So you have to harvest the annual surplus to make room for next year's production. Case closed. That conservation model has been proven to be irrefutably and celebrated success around the globe. Those that, you know, you say that some of the liberals have good intentions. I, I haven't met one <laughs> um, because if if you if you are on the side of uh, Joe Biden, you're just you're just plain a rotten human being. You you support a man liberal agenda that renegotiated all the contracts with the globe that Trump finally negotiated on behalf of our country. 
That's not a that's not my hunch. That's not a guess. That's not an opinion. Trump renegotiated global contracts for the first time in my lifetime to actually benefit America. And Joe Biden reversed them to hurt America. So if you're a liberal and a Democrat, you're the enemy of freedom. And if you're if you don't believe in those ugly, ugly policies, then you have to quit. If you don't agree with the with you know forcing Americans to get vaccination passports, but people are flooding in through the borders without any vetting whatsoever, then you're a, you're you you have no soul, and you can't be on that team if you disagree with these toxic, dangerous, um, tyrannical policies. You got to quit that gang. That gang is the Democrats. Their, their agenda is extreme liberal Marxism. And if, you, if you're part of that team, you're as rotten as that man who's searching for a syllable in the White House. So uh, these are toxic times. And uh, all I can say is there's, there's some simple methodologies that have been proven to get America back on course. Number one, if you believe in freedom and the sanctity of life, you have to be a member of the National Rifle Association, Gun Owners of America, and your state Second Amendment organization. That is the ultimate sucker punch against the, the left because gun rights and hunting rights are the tip of the culture war spear. So the fact that I do have some Democrats that are still foggy, <laughs> they, they can't see past the fog. Because if you support hunting, fishing, and the Second Amendment, you're not a Democrat. You got to quit that gang. So, so I salute my fellow uh, sporters out there who are actually in the asset column. And if you're not a member of the NRA, Gun Owners of America, and your state firearms association, you're in the liability column. I mean, that's going to piss some people off. But that's what truth does to people who hide from the truth. So that's a battle cry that we can all make happen, and it would make a big, big difference. So uh, with all of that, with all of that said, I, you know, I am a, I'm an NRA member. I'm a, a GOA member. Um, I have, I've yet to, to join my, I'm still a new Montana resident. I've yet to join uh, my, my local state organization. I used to, be a uh, big, uh, big member of a few of uh, the California organizations, uh, which stop. gun owners of California, very important. Sam Parodies, H.L. Richardson, great, great organization holding the line in that horrible, horrible state. Oh, yeah. Um, so you are, are uh, you're still on the, the board of directors for the NRA, correct? Nine years with the highest votes this side of Charlton Heston. Yeah, I'm very proud of that. I, uh, you know, I, 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 got the computer all plugged in or else I'd show you. I got right over here on top of my gun safe. Uh, I've got the, this just old, old, it's kind of like an illustration photo signed by Charlton Heston up here. It's an old uh, promo oh, wow. image of uh, from, I think an NRA magazine or something like that. It's signed and it just it's a great man. Great. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. It just, it always lives on the, on the gun safe. It, uh, I mean, I feel like, are you really American if you don't have a signed photo of Charlton Heston somewhere? You know, <laughs> ahead of the pack. I, you know, I don't know if you can see my man cave cuckoo's nest here, but I'm surrounded by so much firepower. I mean, I, 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 you, Sam, you know why people are finding it hard to, to find ammo? I got it all. <laughs> it's because I've got it all. I'm down. I'm down to about. 
Well, I'm not going to give you any numbers, but um, I have ammo. I promise you I have ammo. Plus, I got to tell you, I uh, shot a beautiful Axis doe just the day before yesterday. I just got done backstrapping her. Axis deer backstrap. That's that's how I get high by just a little uh, um, uh, pork belly sizzling. And then I just put a little bit of... uh, uh, salt and pepper on the backstrap after it reaches room temperature, and I slap it in the sizzling hot bacon grease each side till it just gets a little crusty and it's heaven on earth. But I got to tell you, I now work with the uh, Remington Masters for the Remington ammo, and I shot her with this uh, 180 grain Corlocked ammo, which, by the way, with my dad's pre 64 Model 70 Winchester Featherweight with iron sights that he bought at Marshall Fields in Chicago in 1964 for $119. Um, Bought it right next to the dry goods, and I think he bought some pot and pans, a pillow, and a rifle. (laughs) Right downtown Chicago. But anyhow, um, I like to celebrate the the gory details, the stimulating ballistic orgy of the firearms enjoyment. And it I you know, you see a lot of these TV shows where they shoot it, and nobody talks about the, the bullet design, the bullet weight, the velocity, the caliber, the action, the rifle, where it comes from. But it was in nineteen sixty nine on November fifteenth, with this same exact Remington Corlock load that I shot my first white-tailed deer on opening day of the Michigan deer season. But back then, where I'm going with this, is back then I bought a box of 20 Remington Corlock 180-grain 308 rounds from Luke's Corner on Big Bass Lake and Free Soil Road for $5.95. Oh, and what is it now? Fifty bucks a box? Are you oh. now? It's like five bucks a round. So, so I, I've been there, and I'm living that stuff. But I really do. I train every day with my Glock carry tens. I, I shoot. I hunt squirrels and run my trap lines. So I live this life, Gonzo man, full on. I celebrate it. I'm passionate about it, and I've I've recruited and, and turned on an awful lot of new gun owners, new hunters, and fishermen and trappers uh, because of my enthusiasm and my passion and the clear and present unambiguous articulation of the sustained yield science that dictates resource stewardship and the hunting lifestyle. So I'm proud to share this with you. And I guess I would like to reverse this since I do a lot of media. Sam, you come from California. What inspired you to create the Wild Initiative podcast and how long has it been going on and, and, and what is the overall experience with this incredible positive communication about the things that we love? So this whole thing, I, you know, I was, I was not raised in the outdoors and, and some people listening know my story. Some people may just be tuning in, but I was like an orange County kid. Like we'd go to the beach all the time. My experience with hunting and fishing was I never, I never hunted. I, I kind of, I shot pigeons in the backyard with my BB gun when my mom wasn't looking. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we'd go, we'd go on vacation and I'd go fishing on off the same rock and the same lake, you know, for, 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 you know, 20 some years I did that growing up and I could set up tackle uh, for that spot, you know, like a, like gangbusters, but say it's God help me if I tried anywhere else. Um, But that was my experience with it. And then I grew up and I got into advertising and worked in Los Angeles, dead center of, of, hell uh and and like that was the life i wanted at the time and i started getting into 
to rifles. I, I, I did the whole Vegas gun store, uh, gun store thing for a bachelor party. And, and I was like, Oh, I think I like shooting guns. This is kind of a, okay. Okay. I'm feeling this. How old were you when you discovered that new level of excitement? <sighs> that it had to have been late twenties, early thirties. It had to have been my late twenties, early thirties, somewhere in that range. Uh, you know, we were all, we were all down there and I, sh- I started shooting the big caliber guns and realized, Oh, <laughs> there's actually a video of me floating around somewhere. I just, I take a single shot. I turn back and look at my buddies with this like wide-eyed look of just pure ecstasy. And and you, all you hear me, the only thing that comes out of my mouth is, oh. Yeah, it's very stimulating. Well, you know, oh, yeah. how, how old are you now, Sam? Uh, 38 years old. See, my goodness, what a child. I just turned 72, and I know you respect your elders, but do you realize that I was born in December of 1948 and hunting, fishing, and trapping were the lifestyle. It was universally revered. There was no such thing as the the mindlessness, the soullessness of animal rights or or being against nature, because if you're anti-hunting, you're against nature. That The beatniks hadn't turned into the hippies yet. They hadn't taken enough drugs to lose their soul. And so <laughs> such stupidity didn't exist. And my dad, when I was born in 48, was already a follower of the incredible Fred Bear, who came from Pennsylvania in 1908 and was just a, a, a recreational weekend bow and arrow guy. Then got turned on by the mystical flight of the arrow, saw the Pope and Young footage and decided to go gung-ho, started bear archery. So by the time I was four or five, we would go north every year. In fact, I have my dad's longbow over here um, that he had when I was born. And I have some of those... I have some of the cedar arrows from 1940. Oh, my God. Orford cedar arrows from the 1940s right there against my wall. My point is, I'm 72 years clean and sober. No drugs, no alcohol, no tobacco, and no fat girlfriends. I'm telling <laughs> you, that that it will kill you. You got to, that stuff will kill you. And I'm serious. I've been clean and sober. And I attribute that, Sam, in the world of insane, drooling idiots in the rock and roll hippie world to the discipline of trying to get close to an animal with a sharp stick. I still have from 1955, an Osage orange longbow. It's probably a, maybe a 20 pound draw. And I have some old, some of the old guys listening will understand what I'm talking about. Some old MA3s and MA2s, some Bear Razor heads, some Howard Hill heads, some uh, 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 Bodkin three-blade heads. And so I've been doing this literally every year since I was born. And I attribute my my aliveness, my 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 passion for every day in my life, whether it's the guitar or doing media crushing idiots and celebrating the good while spotlighting the cockroaches and stomping on them to the discipline and the stimuli factor of all things outdoors, especially when it comes to projectile management, ultimately the mystical flight of the arrow, but certainly trigger time, breath control, sight acquisition, um, that that samurai Zen mantra of ignition, whether it's a rifle, a handgun, a shotgun on a swinging cock pheasant or a, a, a deer coming down the, the riverbed. So I, I cannot emphasize strongly enough, and I, I do emphasize rather strongly 
the importance of getting those young people to experience the stimuli you just you, your eyes got big you 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 looked excited when you talked about discovering the ballistic ballet of marksmanship and the discipline of aim small miss small that's really what i'm sure the wild initiative podcast is about that's what my spirit of the wild tv show is about that's what all my media is about that's what my spirit campfire podcast is about whenever i do any media about any subject i always promote the National Rifle Association and hunting, fishing, and trapping. And that seems to be the missing link to go back to your and my first opening comment about the apathy in the so-called red states that think because they're in a red state, they're, they're immune from the zombies of the animal rights and the anti-gun people. And just the opposite is true. If we don't promote and celebrate and recruit new shooters and new gun owners and new freedom demanders than people like the Montana bow hunters. And again, I, you only need to feel guilty if you're guilty. If you're a good guy in the Montana bow hunters, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the dirtbags who worked with the Barack Obama backwoods hunters and anglers to keep injured and, 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 and handicapped veterans from hunting with a crossbow, how, I get, how about this? Right, in, right here with my buddy Sam on the Wild Initiative podcast. My name is Ted Nugent. I dare anybody from the backwoods hunters and anglers or the Montana bow hunters to debate me why you would not allow a handicapped veteran to hunt with a crossbow. I dare you. Show up and embarrass yourself. What a nasty, nasty, soulless, cruel thing to do to keep a U.S. Marine Corps hero who gave up his legs for our freedom from hunting with a crossbow. You're a prick. You're a dirtbag for doing that. I'm going to just let that one marinate for a second right there. I'd, I would. Because that's, that's the curse. Who stopped that? Who stopped that legality of a, of a injured vet from hunting with a crossbow? Not PETA, not Joe Biden, not Kamala Harris, not Nancy Pelosi, the Montana bow hunters. Are you kidding me? And I, I get it. Like I get not wanting to let everyone in their mother, you know, set up a whole separate crossbow season. But I do, I do take some issues with. Yeah, it's already, it's already the season. Yeah, you got to kill deer and elk and bear. You got to kill antelope. A guy in a wheelchair would like to do it. Yep. I would like to meet the man that would tell him he can't. I want to meet that prick. Well, folks, you heard it. Somebody, uh, somebody reach out, reach out to my email, reach out to, uh, reach out to Ted. Let's see if we can, uh, let's see if we can set that up. Cause I want to see, I want to see that debate. I want to see that happen. So do I. So <laughs> do I. I work closely with the military. I do a number of charities and these guys gave everything. So you and I will have the freedoms that are personified by gun rights and hunting rights. And not not everybody wants to hunt with a crossbow. A few guys in the wheelchair would like to go. <laughs> what the? Are you kidding me? I would like to meet the man and go, no, you are the, the U.S. Army here with no legs. I'm sorry, you can't come. Bam! I'd like to hire Mike Tyson to punch that guy in the bridge of the nose. What a prick. <laughs> so we've got this world we're living in now. And let's face it, I'd say... 
the best way to describe it is we're living in this world based solely on fear. People are trying to manufacture fear. Um, I mean, we've got we've got people that are going into the outdoors wearing masks these days. Like, <laughs> Sam, give me a moment here. We have people going into the outdoors wearing a mask. <laughs> hey, hey, you people with a hey, you people with a mask out in the outdoors. You're idiots. You have no brain. Let me, and, and they won't understand that statement, Sam. So let me put it in their language. I, I, I actually have the language of people who wear masks in the outdoors. I can speak their language. So let me speak to the people who wear masks in the outdoors, the language they will understand. What a bunch of soulless, spineless, heartless sheep. That's I saw a guy on a motorcycle the other day. You're not it's 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 almost like Satan created a scenario to entertain me. The guy's on a motorcycle in the Texas, it's 82 degrees, it's beautiful blue skies, nice wind blowing. He's all by himself in the in the parking lot of the grocery store. And he's got a mask on, no helmet, short sleeve shirt, attendant, uh, I think uh, he had Crocs on with no socks, which was all fine. That's his prerogative. But he had a mask on. Now, I'm not done. I'm not done. He's in the wild winds of Texas on his motorcycle with a mask, and he pulls up and stops. It was really a nice uh, hog he was riding. He pulled the mask down and lit up a cigarette. <laughs> I can't help that person. That, that person, somebody replaced his brain with a sun-baked turd. You've got to be, let me, let me make a comment here because I'm not afraid to make truth comments. Here's from the frontline doctors. And if anybody doesn't know who they are, uh, you might want to crawl out from under your rock. So this is the frontline doctors. And, uh, and uh, here, here's the truth. Tell the world the truth about Dr. Fauci, the highest paid government official in U.S. history, unelected, the most powerful man on planet Earth, who actually created and released SARS and MERS and now COVID-19 and is absolutely the biggest mass murderer of our time, guilty of global genocide. Who the hell would watch Dr. Fauci lie and obey this punk. Fauci is a punk, he's a tyrant, he's a scam artist, and he's a murderer. Hey, Fauci, kiss my ass. I'll, I'll wear a mask after I wrap it around your nose and stick your head in a trough. So what's... We have all of these people living in fear. We I mean, we even see it happening with people on the right. Let's let's face it. There's a lot of people that have have slipped and fallen into it on the on the right. We can't we can't completely uh, put our, the, the, the other side here. On. <laughs> we can't give them a pass because people on both sides have completely fallen yep. for this this sham. So. What's the solution? How do we get people to stop living? And and I mean, yes, there's going to be some people that are just beyond redemption at this point. Like you just kind of have to wash your hands of them and be like, okay, go live in fear the rest of your life. But how do we inspire? How do we encourage 
the rest of the rest of the world, these these same people that may just be living a little bit in fear. How do we encourage them to retake their sovereignty and live as free Americans again? Well, that's a tough one because there's so much apathy. There's so much disconnect. There's so much fear. By the way, you say fear is everywhere. Well, it's not really everywhere. It's there's no fear in the Nugent family. There's no fear in my my neighbors. There's no fear in my buddy at the at the feed mill. There's no fear in my buddy who helps me put food plots in. There's no fear in my band. There's no fear in my crew. There's no fear in my team, Linda and Doug. There's no fear. I, I, I can't find any. I know it exists because I'm just north of Austin, Texas, <laughs> which is a suburb of San Francisco, by the way. They're having, a, they're having a contest to see who can have the most feces and needles and high crime right here in Texas. It's just absolutely embarrassing. But the, the, the answer is those of us that know, and, and, and well, what makes you think you know? Because I research. I, I, I know doctors and scientists and epidemiologists, and I, know, and I know these people and I communicate with them, and I reference their evidence. I scrutinize their evidence. The, the most important thing we can do as conservatives who believe in God, family, country, freedom, law, and order— is to communicate with our core circle who may be so brainwashed and stupid that they wear a mask outside or they allow a school district to force young athletes to wear masks during high hardcore physical competition activities. We need to we need to call them out. The worst fear is not those that live by it, but those of us that see it and are afraid to confront it. So uh, I'm a I'm a confrontational guy. Really, I I never noticed. You well, seem so. That, uh... <laughs> that's what an American is supposed to be. Yeah. When the British came to Concord Bridge to take our guns, we shot the punks. We confronted them. When the king came to take our wool and our chickens and our firewood and our wives. We confronted them and we stabbed them in the heart. This is beautiful. This is good stuff. When, when the, the evil Japanese devils bombed Pearl Harbor and went to Nanking and raped and pillaged and sodomized and tortured their own people, we had a Nagasaki their ass. Pearl Harbor me, I Nagasaki your ass. Anybody that's got a problem with that, maybe you'd like to speak Japanese or German. My point is, is that I study history. Sam, if people go, Newton's got an attitude. Yeah, yeah, no shit. <laughs> I spent a campfire. I spent campfires with Marcus Luttrell, with Rob O'Neill, with Gary O'Neill, the American warrior. I spent campfires with heroes from Vietnam and Desert Storm. I was in Fallujah with the Marines in 2004. I'm the only celebrity that they handed a 249 to. I've spent campfires with survivors of the Bataan Death March. Do you know how many people, maybe even you, Sam, do you know what the Bataan Death March was? I've heard of it. I'm not well, familiar need, with it, you though. You need no. to find out so that we never let one happen again. And our heroes of the U.S. military were viciously and demonically tortured by the Japanese devils. Had bayonet tests 
on the flesh of our GIs and then pissed in their wounds. So now that we know that level of evil exists, how about we, we, we never forget and we educate our friends that you got to watch Tucker Carlson. He may be Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity may be the last real investigative, honest journalist in the world. Listen to Governor DeSantis in Florida. Listen to Governor Kristi Noem in South Dakota. These are warriors on the front lines. Even Governor Greg Abbott, who is wishy-washy to some degree, he's even responded to the will of we the people of Texas. I know your governor in Montana. He came forward and he created Montana as a Second Amendment sanctuary, a Mm -hmm. salute to the Montana governor. You've got some great, great people in Montana. It's a it's big sky country. It's rugged individuals, ranch and farming, people of the earth, down to earth, grounded, working hard, playing hard, shit kickers all across Montana. But if you don't confront the people who, like the David Letterman subculture that came into Montana and it starts impacting policy making. If you stand by and you just piss and moan about it, David Letterman would like to thank you. And if ever there was a dirt bag, it's David Letterman. I was on his show more than a dozen times when he was a real human being until all the substance abuse cooked his brain and turned him into a Marxist puppet. And then David Letterman, if you're listening, eat me. You're a prick. Anyhow, the point is, is that people need to be confrontational. You don't have to punch people initially. You don't have to scream at them like I'm getting intense and, and, and energized because this is important life and death, American dream, quality of life, liberty and pursuit of happiness issue. You're damn right I'm getting excited and passionate about it because I refuse to let scum and devils and animal rights people impact my hunting regulations. I refuse to listen to the lies that, well, we just want common sense gun safety reform. They finally said they're coming to take our guns. I sent Beto O'Rourke my address and the code to my gate when he said that. Hey, Beto, start with me, you dirtbag. So the point is, I'm confrontational, and some people are a little upset that I ruffle feathers. I don't ruffle feathers. I pluck them because I'm a we-the-people guy who has spent time with the heroes of the military who gave up their skin and their arms and their legs and their buddies so we could actually be a we-the-people experimental in in self-government, and I refuse to back down and be pussified and spineless while stupidity runs supreme. That's why I live in Texas, and that's why I work in all 50 states, Sam. I worked across Canada to get rid of the C-68 debacle. I work with people in France and Spain and Germany to legalize bow hunting. Uh, I work with people in Montana to legalize crossbows for handicapped veterans. Montana. So my point is, I'm, I'm an activist. I've always been an activist because I was the first guy that was attacked for being a hunter and carrying a gun. Literally, in 1966, 1967, these dirtbag, drooling, stoned hippies would go, you like, they ask me where I get all my energy, and I go, backstraps, and they go, what's that? <laughs> and I talk about deer hunting, and they go, wow, you like killed deer, huh? And I go, 
it, it's the best thing to do just before the grill gets hot. What, what kind of question is that? <laughs> so I had fun just trouncing their stupidity that was all inspired by brain brain burning, singeing substance abuse. That's an easy debate to win every time. And I will win every debate because people who dare to debate me always take the devil's advocacy point of view because I'm Michael the Archangel. And if you're against what I stand for, you are the devil. It's pretty simple. So you're talking about kind of the reactions you would get from uh, from the hippies back back in the day when you started hunting. What what have you seen over the you know, the the past years? What have you seen change when it comes to hunting and the outdoors for uh, for good and for bad? Well, I got to tell you, um, it's like the Second Amendment. It's 2021 and the culture war is at an all time toxicity. It is just as vulgar and obscene and bizarre as it's ever been. But stop and think. When I was on tour in the 60s and 70s, there was no Second Amendment. I couldn't keep. I couldn't bear. I'm on the road playing all 50 states every night, 300 plus nights a year. And I carried a gun. I had a Smith & Wesson 2-inch bottle 19 with the 125-grain Winchester plus P stuff and a couple of speed loaders in my pocket. I've always had a clean hanky, a pocket knife. When the Leatherman came out, I got one of those. I got guitar picks, and I got a wallet, and I got a pistol and a bunch of ammo. That's every day when I wake up since I was 17. Sounds like a good idea. I have fire extinguishers in my truck and spare tires, too, (laughs) whether I need them or not. The point is is back then, you couldn't carry a gun anyplace. Maybe Vermont at the time, only as a Vermont resident, there was no Second Amendment. And I'm, I go, I'm, well, what if I need to defend myself? Especially I'm going to New York City and there was like 3,500 murders a year back then. And I'm, D- Detroit was turning into a liberal, you know, devil zone of exploding crime. I'm, I'm not going to be unarmed. Unarmed and helpless is really a foolish, irresponsible, suicidal decision. And I've never made stupid, irresponsible, suicidal decisions. I've never been unarmed and helpless. I When I show up... It, it it no longer qualifies as a gun-free zone. I've always had a gun. I, I think a gun is good. I need. I like guns. I I I, I want to defend my life. I get. I got to get home. I got to. I got. I got opening day coming up. If you get in the way of my opening day, I'm going to cut you in half. My point is, 2021, as ugly as it is, 21 states constitutional carry. Are you kidding me? This is the best the Second Amendment's ever been. It really is. This is unbelievable. Because of the NRA, Gun Owners of America, and Ted Nugent. I was on the front lines in all 50 states. By the way, before I go into that tirade, you know, have you noticed that since I got on here, it qualifies as a tirade? Because I'm (laughs) passionate about this stuff. This is important stuff. So I would ask, you're a smart guy, 38 years old. Did you go to college? I did. I did. All right. You're smarter than I am. (laughs) I I wouldn't claim that just by going to college. We all know that that doesn't mean quite uh, what everyone thinks. I was being as facetious. (laughs) But here's the point. We're, We're both a couple of smart guys. Let's contemplate the question. What other kind of carry is there than constitutional carry? And I would continue that question thusly. Sam, without hesitating... How many states is your First Amendment good in? Oh, 50. 
Thank you, Vic. Thank you very I, I applaud your refusal to hesitate. Of course it is. How much paperwork, licenses, and permits do you need for your First Amendment right? Uh, I believe that would be zero, Ted. Zero. Thank you, Sam. I love you. You really did learn something in spite of college. <laughs> so let's, let's reiterate. We all have a First Amendment right in all 50 states. I think we have a First Amendment right on planet Earth myself. Well, and and that First Amendment right applies to all all our versions of speech as well, whether yes. that's modern, yes. whether that's printed, the printed yes. word or digital or modern, uh, or modern Facebook or Facebook or Twitter. So the point is, we've established that the self-evident truth that the founding fathers wrote down first was that we have a First Amendment right in America, and it was guaranteed. We got it because we got it from God. It was a natural, instinctual, pure, primal, God-given individual right. That's what that was. They wrote it down. We, we get to choose our religion or not. We get to speak. We get to have freedom of the press, and we have the right to assemble. Okay, 50 states, every street corner, every building, every city, no paperwork. I don't need a license. I don't need a permit. I don't need another man to go, all right, uh, here, Mr. Nugent, here's your permit for your first. Shut the f- I don't need your authorization. Get the hell out of my way. Okay, we've established that. That I don't think anyone would argue that. Well, the, the Democrats would argue that. Zuckerberg would argue that when he, when he could wipe the spittle from the corner of his mouth and form a syllable. So, First Amendment, good nationwide, no paperwork. Sam, same thing for the Second Amendment. Case closed. I always, uh, I always have people uh, talk to me about, you know, you know the biggest crock of horseshit on earth, the phrase uh, reasonable, uh, reasonable gun control measures or, or common sense control. There's no sense. But people ask me there, you know, the old saying, uh, you know, how how pro how pro gun are you? You know, how anti gun control are you? I'm like, well, until we're selling RPGs on Amazon dot com, I'm not going to be happy. Uh, <laughs> I'm buying four of them. <laughs> I just I just want a tank. Is that so bad? Is that so bad? My buddy at the Ox Ranch in Uvalde's got two of them. I got friends who own tanks. And the the problems they've caused in society would be zero. Zero. Here's the point. Um, Do you think there might be regulations against civilian possession of Kalishnikovs in Paris, France? Of course, that's rhetorical. Of course, there are there are so many restrictions against civilians owning Kalishnikovs in Paris, France, that it is the most definitive attempt at gun control in the history of the world. But but people in Paris, France, got a hold of Kalishnikovs and went to a rock and roll concert and hosed people down. What law would those devils have waited for? Before they got a Kalishnikov and started shooting people at a concert, or Columbine, or Sandy Hook, or uh, Dayton Club, or Orlando, or name, I'm, you know, I'm just a guitar player, so you have to have a little bit of mercy on me, but I dare anybody with a straight face to write the law that will stop any mass shooting 
or any bird. Oh, I actually, actually, I could write a law. I, I take that back. But the point <laughs> is, if you have engineered recidivism, and Sam, you might want to write that down. We do have engineered recidivism. The courts literally have a policy that you will have to encounter a dangerous, murderous, stabbing, carjacking, child molested, released monster. They release the monsters. So now that we know the court system and our prison system is such an such a demonic joke, engineering recidivism, the only law we need to pass is to stop the engineered recidivism. If somebody stabs somebody but doesn't kill them, it just means they're not a good killer. They miss the artery. You don't let them out to study the anatomy so next time they can get a main ventricle. But are you kidding me? I don't like repeat offenders. I like dead offenders. If someone's going to rape a woman, I want him, I want that woman to fill him full of lead. I want the rape victim to not be a victim. I want the perpetrator terminated. I don't want the carjacker to win at the carjacking. I want the housewife to fill the carjacker full of lead. I don't want a parole board to ever hear a word from his mouth. I don't want to pay for his gender confusion. I don't want to pay for his dentist. I want the carjacker dead. That's how you stop crime, and that's how you control the misuse of any weapon, including bricks and pipes and fists and baseball bats and and cinder blocks and, and glass shards. So the best gun control is no gun control. Bad people control. That's all we're missing. I was going to say, yeah, there, there definitely is a law you can write to prevent house break-ins, to prevent mass shootings. It's a very <laughs> simple law. It's called you must own a gun and you must carry it. That's the law. You must know how to use the damn thing. That's going to prevent some stuff right quick. What is it? Heinlein was quoted as saying an armed society is a polite society. Yeah, well, I, you know, I don't know if you've noticed about me, but I, I'm probably the most gentlemanly, sweetheart, polite, kind, loving, caring, giving, <laughs> generous, I mean, it's almost like a Mother Teresa with a couple of Glocks. I mean, I am so stand <laughs> myself, and I've never been unarmed and helpless. I was unarmed and well, I wasn't helpless, but I was unarmed when I was in the White House with the great President Trump, and when I was in the Oval Office with him and had dinner with him, and when I did rallies with him, uh, the Secret Service did a super job frisking me. <laughs> <laughs> There have been a few occasions I've been unarmed and helpless, but believe me, my uh, commando friends were cocked, locked, and ready to rock the Glock around the clock to uh, take take care of their beloved Uncle Ted. So unarmed and helpless is an idiotic decision because all victims have one thing in common. They were unarmed and helpless. Here's a little Uncle Ted tech tip for people who value the precious gift of life. Don't be unarmed and helpless. And it doesn't say safe and bear arms. It doesn't say truck and bear arms. It says keep and bear arms. Your gun in the safe is worthless. Your gun in the truck is worthless. If you don't know how to get it into action and know how that gun functions, this engineered recidivism may pay you a visit someday. And if you're unarmed and helpless, good luck. 
Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I actually just got my, it's, I'm not sitting down with it right now. Cause it's still needs a little more breaking in, but I just got my concealed holster. Finally, now that we have the constitutional carry here in, uh, well, let me tell you, I got, let me, I, I got, I get all these holsters in the mail. I, I use a, a product called the Northwest retention system. I think it's nwretentionsystem.com. And these guys, uh, they custom make these to fit your handgun. I carry a Glock uh, model 20 and 10 millimeter. And this is one of their chest ones. If I ever go back to Alaska bear hunting, this is the most popular carry gun in Alaska right now. The the Glock 10 millimeter, um, just ultra dependable. The 10 millimeter round in a, in a full house load is a reasonable um, uh, danger stopper, but nwretention.com. I have a strong side um, belt holster on now. It it retains your firearm when I run and chase the squirrels with the dogs, and if I stumble occasionally, my my Glock has never come out of this holster. But uh, there's so many great products out there. But I really really fell in love with. It's called nwretentionsystems.com and they're out of uh, Washington state which is just a hell zone except for the great people in the great northwest so mm-hmm. if people want a holster that I've fallen in love with that serves me well every day nwretentionsystems.com northwest retention well I'll tell you it's it's funny I've got uh, you know I got I've got my carry pistol with me all the time, but then there's not many rooms in this house you can go into or in my car where there's not one, one hidden away somewhere. So I got the one on me, but you know, you never know if you got a guest over it, you need some backup. And I'll, I'll, I'll show you this really quick. The people listening can't see it, but this was a new client of mine. Uh, Oh, that's beautiful. I tell you what. I don't know if you should have shown that. <laughs> I'll show it to you, but uh, the folks, uh, the folks listening won't, uh, won't, won't be able to see that. Hey, Sam, Sam, I've got to, I got to tell you, I know why you have me on here because I'm a hellraiser and I, I celebrate and promote the second amendment mm-hmm. and conservation all my life. But here's why you really love me. My beautiful wife, Shemaine, I don't know if you watch Spirit of the Wild. By the way, we just did our 500th episode yep, yep. of Spirit of the Wild. 31 years later, we were on public television before there was an outdoor channel. And the reason our show is so top rated for 31 years is because of my wife, Shemaine, the queen of the forest. And I just got a text from her. And you got to love this. You, <laughs> am I the luckiest son of a bitch to ever glock out or what? Honey, I have some girls who want to shoot a great Queen of the Forest segment. Will you teach them today? And I just responded, you think? (laughs) These will be be six beautiful young gals who have never fired a gun. They're pursuing their concealed weapons permit, even though now we don't need it in Texas. But I'm going to continue to get my concealed weapons permit. Even though I'm a sheriff deputy for 34 years, uh, 30, 36 years, so I get, I get to carry nationwide anyway, but I'm always going to keep my paperwork, even though it's against, it, it's a constitutional violation to have paperwork for constitutionally guaranteed individual rights. It's unbelievable. But in order to uh, make sure I have all the bases covered in all 50 states, I will continue to uh, update 
my concealed weapons permit. But that's the kind of stuff we do every day. We got a bunch of young gals coming in with Shemaine, and I'm going to start them out with a with a little simple bolt action 22 rifle, open mm-hmm. sights with CB caps. So there's no report, zero recoil, and we'll stop right up with some uh, shoot and see targets at about maybe 10 yards, maybe not even that, maybe just seven yards, 21 feet. And they'll get to know the mechanics. I'll make them dry fire the gun 10 times, work the bolt, put the safety on, shoulder it, sight acquisition, safety off, dry fire. Do it again. I'll make each girl shoot at least 10, 12 times dry firing so they learn what this guy's doing. They learn the the mechanics of forceful bolt maneuvering. They, they instinctively will put that safety on the minute they work the bolt, and they will find out when they can get the sights to stop moving and get the trigger to ignite. And after they've each dry fired a dozen times, then I will have them load it themselves. I will not do any of this for them. I see these guys train people where they do everything for them. Mm-hmm. The, the, the shooter's got to know how the thing works, man. <laughs> Anyhow, and by the t- I'm telling you, Sam, this system that we developed, I started it 50 years ago with, with some kids. Their their first rounds, they'll shoot they'll shoot a half inch group. I know it's close range, but they they've already learned the mechanics. And with a CB cap, there's no bang, there's no recoil. Mm-hmm. They will fall in love with it. And then I will highly recommend to the gals that the gun that they purchase and carry is a simple revolver, a lightweight revolver, probably a five shot, maybe like a, a Lady Smith something that they are comfortable with, a double-action revolver, and that they train dry firing it as much as possible, and they start out using maybe cowboy loads, real lightweight 38 yeah. special loads, So, but always wear ears and eyes, obviously. So this is the system that Shemaine and I have developed, and we've caused, I don't know what the number is, but it, it, I'm sure it's in the thousands, if not tens of thousands, of women who have seen Shemaine shoot on Spirit of the Wild TV and they went out and bought guns and they got their hunting licenses. So it's contagious if you baptize people in a gentle, uh, uh, knowledgeable, slow and easy, comfortable pace. That's a little Uncle Ted tick. Well, I'll tell you, it's it's funny because I so when I used to teach and uh, after the getting into firearms, I, I took to teaching rifle marksmanship and we would always start with uh, 22s. Most of it, most of the time it would be 22 long uh, Ruger 1022, 22 long rifle. And one of the things I had a buddy come out and he wanted wanted me to to instruct him. And, you know, one of the first things we tell him, it's like, OK, you know, if anything doesn't seem like it's working right raise your hand. We'll come over, check your rifle. We'll, we'll go through the whole clearing process and make sure everything, you know, there's not a, a round stuck in the chamber, whatever it happens to be. We'll get that sorted. So he'd only ever shot shotguns in his life before. And we'd been playing around earlier in the day. And so he's shooting, he shoots a couple of times and he's like, finally he raises his hands. He's like, Sam, he's like, I, I just don't think my, my rifle's firing. And I'm like, okay. You know? And so, you know, I kind of cold the line. He go, gets down, he, he fires, fires and he's like yes and i'm and it works perfectly it's like flawless and he's like yeah see i don't think it's firing and it took me a minute to figure out what was going on he'd only ever shot shotguns before he shoots this ruger 1022 it has no you know no recoil no kick nothing and he's convinced it's not even firing at all because it's so mild and believe my ruger 1022 is fully suppressed so 
even though I really think the the simple mechanics of a bolt action single shot is the ultimate bat- baptismal firearm. It's, it's, it turns people on because they're working it. They like yep. to get their hands on it and they learn, learn how the, the functionality of the, me- the mechanisms. And, 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 but when it comes to my daily 22 fun, I have a, a whole bunch of Ruger 1022s, but my, my daily uh, four wheel drive gun is a suppressed 1022. And I shoot, uh, I shoot Remington uh, high velocity hollow points out of it. And I'm telling you, when I bring people over, especially from the rock and roll world, and they start shooting, they it's like you can't get the gun out of their hands. They just <laughs> absolutely fall in love with it. So, so it's a great, great outdoor activity. I think in my lifetime, the the focus demands that situational awareness of a firearm is so compelling so intriguing to the human because whether it's our instinct to self-defense or to procure meat for the to, to sustain your family or just the the discipline of marksmanship joy i'm telling you it's the missing link by the way we're celebrating our 31st year of the ted nugent camp for kids charity a 501c3 totally non-profit volunteer charity and i got a lot of friends out there in montana and across the country who have helped keep, keep this alive for the last 31 years so a big salute and thank you to shikar safaris who make a wonderful donation every year and all the volunteers in colorado iowa nebraska and south dakota and our first ted nugent camp for kids will take place this probably december or january here in texas so a big salute to everybody out there who focuses on those children camps and those children charities to get them turned on to the great outdoors lifestyle. Because I'm not kidding. In the world of rock and roll, a bunch of drooling, drug-addicted idiots, I've been clean and sober my whole life because I can't wait for the next hunt. I can't wait to see how aim small, miss small I can be with the mystical flight of the arrow or the, the marksmanship, trigger control, sight acquisition, breathing, the, the ballistic ballet of, of accurate shooting. So those people like Montana, we're talking about apathy, they take it for granted. There's a lot of people out there that would join our ranks if we reached out to them. And I know a lot of people right now watching and listening to the Wild Initiative podcast, they're already doing that in a big salute. But my my recommendation is that we turn up the heat and we do it even more. And the Ted Nugent Camp for Kids has been doing it for 31 years. So thanks to everybody for that. Well, you know, it's you talk about outreach and there are so many people out there that you would never expect to fall in love with this, this lifestyle and this passion. There's a, there's a guy out there that I think you would absolutely get a kick out of meeting. Um, Cause he's, he's also such a big personality and uh, his name uh, is Orlando Chiles. He's uh, he's from like Stockton in California. And, I know it well. Yeah. Yeah. And he, so he, um, it was like hey, going through this rough time. He was like on YouTube watching rap videos and, and all of a sudden some hunting videos from Randy Newberg come up on, on, on YouTube somehow in the middle of all these rap videos. And he proceeds to then fall in love with hunting. Sure. And he has the wildest, biggest, most out there personality. And awesome. it's like, he's just such a good advocate for this lifestyle for uh, hunting and fishing and the outdoors. And he can speak so to places important. that like people like us can't speak. And it's so cool. And that's why it's so important 
to do that reach out, that outreach and that recruitment. Well, Sam, I got to tell you, I would welcome you. In fact, I, I, I would urge you, if not sincerely request that you visit my Facebook and everybody right now at the, at the Wild Initiative podcast, come to my Facebook and look at the sincerity, the passion, the rock and rollers that have become gun owners and sportsmen and are passionate about hunting because my passion is so contagious. You know, if you turn somebody onto it, like the gentleman you just talked about and yourself got turned onto it from a world of non-shooting and non-hunting, once you get a taste of it, I believe that the natural primal instinct of mankind is to hunt, fish, trap, shoot, um, it's such a, it's such an aliveness. And if you go to my Facebook and I hope you do, and I'd like to see you, Sam, I'd like to see you chime in. I'm on my Facebook every, geez, every couple hours. I do Facebook lives all the time. We have a Ted Nugent spirit campfire that Shemaine and I are going to start doing more than just Mondays. We're going to do it often, but you want, you read the comments. Now there are some people that hate me. He's a racist. He's, he's a coward because he murders innocent animals, <laughs> which is just a bonus. That's just a bonus. It's so stupid. It's so, so funny, but, but thousands, no, not thousands, hundreds of thousands, almost 4 million people on my Facebook and read the comments that they were, some of them were crazy anti-hunter dope, I mean, dope using uh, rock and roll fans, and I've turned them into clean and sober NRA members. Some of them have started gun stores. Some of their <laughs> families have actually started, to, opened up a gun store or an archery store. So it really is contagious, but they have to hear it in a passionate, excitable way. And I know there are some people watching us right now that go, eh, Nugent's out of control, man. He's lost it. He's crazy. Let me tell you what I am. I'm alive. I'm passionate. And you know the worst thing against hunting and the Second Amendment rights in the world, Sam? Not not Sarah Brady, not not Joe Biden and Barack, and Barack Obama and Beto O'Rourke. Those aren't the worst. The worst thing against gun ownership, Second Amendment rights, and hunting future are the uh, people in our sport that uh, maybe they have a TV show and uh, and they are uh, getting ready to go out uh, and uh, we're after a pretty big buck and he is a guy, you know, um, he's a, I don't know if he goes 140, but uh, he's a, we'll, we'll, we'll go out and uh, uh, we'll, we'll use the wind really that's it that's that's all you feel about getting ready to go elk hunting that's that's it if people bump into that sap and see him on tv with no passion no energy no excitement the non-hunter will go well that guy's a dork change the channel Mm -hmm. sam they don't change the channel when Uncle Ted is on. <laughs> I'm having the time of my life. I love it. It's exciting. This is pure, natural, organic, ultimate protein venison, people. Celebrate this stuff. So a lot of people in our own sport go, yeah, that Nugent, man, he offends a lot of people. No, no. You offend people, you tobacco-chewing turd. You don't have any passion. Well, you know, uh, 
the 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 buck didn't uh, carry the mass out like I thought. Oh, shut up! Nobody cares about your mass. Nobody cares what the buck scores. I want to know if you're having a good time or not, you dirtbag. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so so speaking of the TV show, if folks wanted to follow along, wanted to wanted to watch Spirit of the Wild, where can they find it? Well, we've been on uh, Outdoor Channel for I think as long as it's been around. We were one of the first. In fact, we were. On the first run, the first year there was an outdoor channel, 10 Years in Spirit of the Wild started. We'd already been on a public television. We, we set record pledge drives on public television in 26 states with me killing hogs and being a smart ass and showing what a pancreas looks like. <laughs> People saw that I was having fun and that this is pure, natural, organic, renewable venison. I, I, I'm able to deliver that message with aplomb, if I do say so myself. So uh, we are on Outdoor Channel three times a week, every week. It's one of the highest rated shows for 30 years. I attribute that to Shemaine and Dave Watson, our co-producer. Dave's done a wonderful job in editing. But we don't produce Spirit of the Wild, Sam. We just push the record button and I I talk like I'm talking to you, like, like I'm at a campfire and and celebrating the perfection of hunting, fishing, and trapping. And in the articulation thereof, I I absolutely shut down animal rights people and anti-hunters because they got nothing to respond to the truth, logic, common sense, and science proven that I articulate on Spirit of the Wild three times a week, every week. And I do it because we have to promote the outdoor lifestyle. We have to celebrate it in an excitable, passionate, believable delivery. And that's what Shemaine does on Queen of the Forest, and that's what we've accomplished. So if I may, on the Wild Initiative podcast, yep. thank you, everybody, for supporting Spirit of the Wild TV all these years. We've been doing it for 30, 31 years now. Shemaine and I have been married 32 years, and we started filming my hunts and just being a smart ass and being honest and down-to-earth and unapologetic and truthful and honest and and fun. We have fun. That's why it's so popular because people can tell. I get more excited shooting a yearling doe with a good arrow through the pump station than some of these dirt balls do because the the buck didn't carry the mass out as as much as I thought it would. Oh, shut the... (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I could impose on you just for for one more minute. Sure. You have have the guitars around here. I do. Uh, and and as as we're kind of winding down, I was curious if I could impose on you just to play us on out. I think I think um, this sound we have a pretty good microphone here. I play my guitar every day. I mean, I just love it. <laughs>
Now that's it. Now that's how to finish out a podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had an incredible, incredible time chatting with you. I'm going to be grinning like an idiot for days. Well, God bless you, Sam. Thanks for celebrating and promoting to get the word out there. My best to all the great families of Montana and all across America. They're the best people that ever walked the earth are alive and well celebrating God, family, country, freedom, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, a great work ethic, the Ten Commandments, the Golden Rule, law and order, a big salute to the law and order heroes out there, the first responders and the firefighters, and certain we all know that freedom is not free, so an ultra prayer salute and thank you to the U.S. military and their families, and I I leave you with the words that have proven all throughout my life that if we reach out and are more vocal and more confrontational in a positive, pleasant, gentlemanly way to recruit and get people more involved, make sure they're members of the NRA and the Gun Owners of America and your state firearms organization. Those of us that know these self-evident truths, we've got to prod, cajole, maybe scold, but inspire more people to get the word out there and communicate with our elected employees to make sure they live up to their constitutional oath and that in the world of hunting, fishing, and trapping, that regulations have to be based on science, not the culture war, not animal rights, not selfish motives that I want to have more mountains to myself. Uh, So God bless you, Sam. You do a great job. I'm proud to share this podcast with you. And I salute you and congratulate you. And I look forward to maybe coming back on. It's only springtime. I missed my turkey last week. I shot right under him. No. I I was in a dark blind. It was so bright outside. I couldn't see my pin. And I'm going... Where's the pin? He's got a 10-inch beard, and he's right there at 25 yards. Where's my pin? I missed him. Anyhow, oh. so uh, not buying a butterball, but I did shoot that Axe's backstrapper. So I'm, I'm, I'm alive and well, and a big salute to you, Carrie. And I hope your spirit of the wild runs strong and free forevermore. Thank you so much. 
All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. I cannot say thank you enough to Ted for hopping on this podcast. That was just absolutely wild. I had a ton of fun. I'm sure I've triggered Ted and I have triggered a countless number of people out there that have been listening. But y'all, thank you so much for tuning in again. And big thank you to Ted for hopping on. So that'll do it for this week, y'all. I'm looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this podcast inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from The Wild Initiative family, and more. 